I'm Sonia Rita, and this is Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners, or really anyone drawing inspiration from something or someone in their lives. In today's episode, I got the opportunity to speak with Genevieve Lyons, amateur runner and creator of The Runner's Report. Genevieve's running story almost has two beginnings, and I'm so honored by her candor in our conversation where she really shares her why for running 10 years ago and how far she's come since then. Genevieve has run the Chicago Marathon four times and Berlin as well, but her journey to marathoning for herself is truly inspiring. So welcome, Genevieve. I'm so happy to get to chat with you. I'm glad we found each other. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of diving into some really interesting, like a really interesting conversation, I think, that will be different than my experience. But at the same time, I always kind of try to find a, a way to relate. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, you know, what got you into running? When did you start running? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Um, Love your podcast and excited to be a part of it. Um, A little bit about me. I'm from Cleveland originally, live in Chicago now. So um, Midwest, (laughs) Midwestern gal through and through. Um, And have been lucky enough to travel and run run all over the world. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess I started my running journey nearly 10 years ago when I started college. Um, Growing up, I was into martial arts and um, competitive horseback riding. And when I went to school, I really couldn't do those things very easily. Um, so I grew up watching my dad run. He was a a marathoner, like quite good, actually, like ran Boston, ran like a 239. Like he was kind of pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Fun. I was like, okay, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, but you know, a lot of my beginning running was kind of a way to maintain my weight. I had always been really weight conscious growing up. Um, And it wasn't necessarily because of martial arts or horseback riding. I just always knew I was like, I need to be a certain size. Um, I don't like my curves. I don't like these stretch marks. Like I know runners are skinny. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that's how I'm going to keep the the weight off because I don't want to gain that freshman 15. Um, so I admittedly started running for all of the wrong reasons. Um, and I had a really unhealthy relationship with it. Um, it was like a, a necessary evil <laughs> to maintain a certain look. Um, Wait, so think, yeah, go ahead. So what did, what did that kind of look like? I mean, so when you started running, was there a um, was there a race or was it just, um, you know, the cardio, I'm going to run for 30 minutes and that should, what, what did that feel like or how did that manifest? Yeah. So I, I did run a race, um, cause I joined this like outdoor adventure club in college. Um, and they were like, oh, we're going to do the warrior dash. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. Like those people look fit. Um, so yeah, there was a race to begin with. And then I was like, okay, well that kept me pretty in pretty good shape. Um, but then obviously like I gained some weight in college. We all do. It's normal. We're also growing human beings. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, well, okay, a 5k isn't enough. Like I need to do the 10k. Like I need to run longer so I can, um, stay, stay skinny and all of that stuff. And, you know, I was concerned about getting faster and, just not doing it in the right ways and like really 
watching what I ate Mm -hmm. um, and just being a little bit, yeah, it just, none of it was fun. Like I was, this is, I'm just doing this because I have to. And then um, a couple of friends who did enjoy it, they're like, oh yeah, you can come running with us. But I was just like, oh, when is it over (laughs) sort of thing. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. Okay. So um, when you're doing all this running and you said that you were kind of controlling what you were eating as well, was there a time that you found that you were under fueling? Did you run into injuries or were you able to just kind of like maintain this cycle of, well, this is all right? Yeah. So I don't know how I didn't get injured because I think there were times where I was definitely under fueling. Um, But then, you know, college kind of took over and I was like, yeah, the late night nachos and all of that stuff. And, you know, I'm a curvy gal and like my metabolism is not that of, you know, a teenage boy. So I naturally gained weight. Um, and the, and the bottom line is I do like food. (laughs) So I wasn't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so I was like, you know what, I guess, you know, but it would be, it would become this cycle where I would gain the weight and then feel so guilty that I would just like run and be super intense. And, you know, a lot of my friends, even now that they know me as like the girl who always ping ponged up and down, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so it was, yeah, fortunate enough to not, not to get injured, but not a healthy relationship with food and running for sure. Yeah. And you know, I know a lot of people, uh, kind of, and I'm doing my little bunny ears, my air quotes, justify that ice cream sundae or they justify that pizza because they ran a certain mileage. And I think, you know, even before, or maybe like when I started this podcast, I, after speaking to so many people, even I recognized some of those habits in myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is so very common among runners. I mean, a few weeks ago, I spoke to um, Jen Scott, who's a uh, mm-hmm. registered dietitian, and she said it. It's so very common for runners to kind of, uh, to, it's very common to underfuel. Yeah. It's just, you, you don't realize how much work or what your body needs um, mm-hmm. when you're running. So now tell me more about your running journey. So you, you were running 5Ks and 10Ks and because now you're a marathoner and yeah. you're like marathoning all over the world I mean, <laughs> until COVID came along. So yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit more about, so you went from a 5K to a 10K. Where, where did the marathons come in? Yeah. So I, yeah, it was mainly just 5 and 10Ks um, on campus. I, I started out at St. Louis and then I went to um, Notre Dame to finish up my college career so um, there's a big running community there, um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seen it there, but yeah. yeah um, Molly yeah. Seidel is, you know, just one of our many wonderful alums. Um, anyways, um, and I studied abroad my junior year in Bologna, which is in Italy. Um, it was a great program, like fully immersive, got to live with Italians and, and speak Italian and go to university there. Um, I also got to eat a lot of really really good Italian food. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Like, ooh, mm, yeah, it was so good. Um, And, you know, Bologna's nickname is uh, the red, the learned, and, like, the fat, if you you translate it. Um, It's because it's, like, the most delicious, gluttonous food you can think of, Um, all the pastas and the meats. And anyways, I was about four months into my study abroad program and like I 
was heavy. Like for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I need bigger pants. I was not doing the eat, pray, love journey. I was not, mm -hmm. um, what's uh, Julia Roberts saying, buy yeah. the bigger pants. I, that was not me. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Yeah. And so I was like, well, I should just run a marathon. Like that'll, that'll do it. Um, and so I signed up uh, during my spring break <laughs> in Italy and I was like, yep, just going to do it. Um, and, and I will say I also did it um, to honor the memory of my, my late uncle who, because um, I, I ran, ran for the um, American like Brain Tumor Society. Okay. Um, so I was like, I'll, I'll, you know, that was another way I justified it because I was like, at least I can raise money for a good charity, yeah. which always super happy about. Yeah. Um, but that's when I started doing the long distance stuff. And I was like, oh, the weight will come off. There's no way I'm going to be running so much mileage. Um, and so I did my first half marathon, uh, August of 2014. Yeah. And, and where um, was that? That was in Columbus, like some small, okay. small race in Columbus, Ohio. Um, cause I was home for summer break and my sister and I just drove down and she cheered me on there. Um, and I was like, uh, holy shit, how am I going to do that again? Um, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I was like, I have to do that again. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I ran like, I think a 213 or something like that. Um, and I just did everything wrong. Like, I, I think I only took like one or two goos. Like, I was just so underfueled. Um, I was still using my sneakers from like three years ago. And so like when I went into the running store like a week later they're like you ran in these and like, yeah yeah I did um so anyways that happened I was like okay well I guess I still have you know until October uh to keep training for the Chicago Marathon and uh yeah to to my dismay I did not lose like a single pound like I like because I you know we all know now that you need to fuel in order yeah. to like be able to do that. So I was yeah. eating cause I was training so much and you know, it was just, I, it was a really, I, at mile 18 of that marathon, like when I got to, you know, that point, I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like this should not, why, why am I doing this? Um, really? So you were, you were in your head the whole time. Yeah. So this was so this was now after that half marathon in Columbus. You did the yeah. um Chicago full in 2015 you said? 2014. 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so you're training for the Chicago full and where's let's um where's your head at while you're training? What was training looking like for you? Where was your where was your I guess your intention um other than weight loss? What Yeah. You know, I was thinking about my uncle a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew symbolically it was really important because um, he passed away his senior year at Notre Dame. I was going to be a senior at Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he, he first got it, I believe, when he was 16, and then it would just come back every <sighs> so often, yeah. I guess every yeah. two years. And then finally it was like it was just spreading all over, and there was no – no, like there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah. But, you know, Notre Dame was great uh, throughout the whole process. Like, you know, they – forgave his tuition they yeah. like I, it's a great I have so many good things to say about Notre Dame but um this is not a plug for Notre Dame <laughs> that's all right that's um, all right yeah I mean I I feel it right so because mm -hmm. we've had a, we've had experience with that so yeah. I really appreciate you sharing about about your uncle so was he a runner also 
No, he wasn't. Um, he played the French horn. Like he was an athlete. Um, and I actually, I never met him, but he was, my mom was, is the oldest gal. So like she, you know, always talks about Tio Carlos and, um, my family's from Peru. My mom's side of the family's from Peru originally. My family's so. from Costa Rica. I was about to ask you because uh, you said Tio. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 Carlitos, Tio Carlitos. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> oh yeah. And so um, I'm the oldest grandchild. And so growing up, it was like always, you know, he, he was everywhere, you know, in well, Latin culture. Like, yeah, it's just people who've even passed away are very much still a part of, of your life. That's how they um, stay. That's how you keep them alive, of course. Exactly. So exactly. it's it's important. Have you watched the movie Coco? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's exactly what I just thought of. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's exactly like that. So mm -hmm. I totally appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Like it's you know I don't we don't have a an ofrenda let's to, to say, no. but yeah. it, he's all over the house and yeah, yeah. you know I felt you know I'm. I would say I'm like pretty spiritual, not super religious, but like I always feel like he's a bit of a guardian angel. Um, you know, I, it, it's crazy. Like my, my first marathon, I ran it for him. And then my latest PR in, in Berlin, it was actually his birthday uh, that I ran. It. it was just, yeah, it was symbolic. Yeah. And, you know, I always yeah. just feel like he's, he's looking out for me. But um, so, yeah, that was kind of when it wasn't about the weight loss, he was at the, like the forefront of my mind. Like, he could never do this. So I'm going to. Yeah. Um, so there was good in, in the running. It was just, you know, at, looking back, I wish that was more at the forefront because I think that's yeah. probably what he would have wanted as well. But uh, I think, um, I think, I mean, one of my favorite things is growth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, we've all done stuff and we've, we've, maybe not with the best intentions. I, um, I had an eating disorder senior year of high school through college, um, you know, battled with depression and anxiety, still do. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it's, and I, and I think even regardless of those, those things, it's so easy to lose yourself, um, lose who you are uh, as we grow up, as we allow, um, you know, stressors to kind of try to shape us, to try to take our, take ourselves away from our true selves. Um, mm -hmm. But I have found that running has helped me meditate on that. Yeah. And I think that listening to you talk about your uncle and how he was on your mind while you were training for that first marathon, I know that you, um, wanted to lose the weight, right? So like, that's what got you into running. I think that that memory carried you more than maybe you're even like that aware of just yet. Yeah. It sounds like it. It really, it really sounds like it. Yeah. And I would say you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong at all. It's very, you know, I look back on it, it, it you know, you can hold two things at the same time and they can yeah. both be true, you know? Yes. And, uh, you know, I think that's the message that it's taken me 10 years to kind of figure out that you can hold good and bad at the same time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. think, I think that's so important. It is almost like I've had to struggle with being sad for my daughter who, 
you know, she struggles every day. And at the same time, being thankful that I have her, being thankful for all these things. And it's the same. You can hold sadness and thankfulness at the same time. They are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you trained for Chicago. Um, and so at mile 18, you're like, basically like, what the hell am I doing? And why am I doing this? So, I mean, you still have a long ways to go from 18 to 26.2. So what did the rest of that race feel like and look like? Yeah. You know, it was, it was tough. Um, but then I saw, you know, other people were struggling too. And they were cheering me on. They're like, hey, we got this. Like, we can do it. And when I saw that level of camaraderie in the midst of, like, really horrible suffering, (laughs) um, self-inflicted horrible suffering (laughs) at that, I was like, okay, like, these people must know something about life. Um, And it it makes you feel good. And it, it makes you feel like you can do anything. So, you know, I would say 18 to 23, those were the hardest miles. And that's where I was like, you know, I had to stop. I would have to stretch. I was cramping. I was overheating. I was under fueled. So I was like, Oh gosh, you know, so like shoved a couple bananas in my mouth, my face or goobs or whatever. Um, and then at 23, I was like, all right, I'm like, I have three miles. Like I'm going to run. Like I'm, I'm not going to stop anymore. Like I'm going to run. And it was just, it was great. It was a really, that last 5k, it changed a lot. I was like, wow, I can do anything I set my mind to. And I don't think I'll do this again, but I crossed that finish line and I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'll say, so I ran Chicago, um, in 2015, 16 and 17, mm-hmm. uh, 15 and 16, I would say I, I still had a really complex relationship with running in terms of, you know, I didn't like it. I I didn't find joy in it. I did Mm -hmm. it as like a way to maintain being in shape. Um, and I think I, I did it for like the praise that I got. I, you know, I, I struggled, um, and sometimes do it like you said with self-esteem and anxiety and depression. And I liked that positive reinforcement of like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Like, how do you run that? Like, you know, um, you must be like kind of insane, but so impressive. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and so I, I would do it for those things. So it wasn't really for me, I felt like those, you know, second and third marathons, um, both being Chicago. Um, you know, I got faster and um, I think I enjoyed each race a little bit more. Um, but I know in 2016, I kind of reached one of the lower points of my life like I was super skinny um like I'll be fully candid so I'm 4'11 and I am probably healthiest around like 120 to 125 so like I'm a muscular gal and I was like dipping below 110 um during that marathon like that it was not healthy um like I was in a bad relationship I was starting grad school and feeling all sorts of like imposter syndrome. And um, about a month after I finished that race, um, that relationship ended and I was getting more into my master's and I realized something needed to change. So that was my first serious, um, like 
introduction to therapy, right? Um, Yeah, and going to counseling. So you you went to counseling, you saw a therapist from there? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, when you kind of just reach like something is not right and we need to feel like someone else needs to help me figure it out. Yep. You kind of like have that surrender moment. Yes. Um, I I love that surrender that it, because it has to be right. You have to be able to admit to yourself. I can't figure this out myself and that's okay. I surrender to this thing. Please help me. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a good, like a lot of good came from that. It was a lot of good counseling. Um, it helped me get through, you know, the second half of my, of my master's or of the first year of my master's. And, um, I decided to run to, um, Chicago in 2017 and, you know, I, um, so I got my master's in Italian studies. So over the summer I, I went and uh, worked and studied in Italy. And so I gained some weight again. So it was like almost like a, a repeat of, of what had happened a couple of years before. But I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hate myself for gaining weight. I'm just going to accept that that's happened. And, you know, I'm going to run a marathon and, and do it in a healthy way and, and run it for me. And yeah, in 2017, when I crossed that finish line, it was like, I finally felt like, wow, okay, like that was really fun. And that was like a celebration of what my body can do. And yeah. it is enough. Um, and that was a really powerful, empowering um, experience to have. So um, yeah, I would say so 2017, which was my fourth marathon was probably the beginning of my real running journey, um, as it so, stands today. <laughs> that's so incredible. And um you know, as I had mentioned before, when, when we were just talking, I, I feel like your journey is different from mine. Um, I mean, I didn't start running until later in life anyway. I was, mm-hmm. so Izzy was one um, when I started running. So I was 31 mm-hmm. when I started running. Um, so at that point, I had kind of come to terms with some of the other stuff that I was dealing with. So it never, like the running and that, like never like very overtly commingled, you know, I can reflect yeah. back and be like, yeah, you totally underfueled and you did that on purpose. Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that your story really, really resonates. And, and I wonder how many people stopped running. I wonder how many people were unable to shift and turn and turn that over and turn running into a positive. And I wonder how many people are in the middle of that. And, you know, by you sharing your story, hopefully can, can realize that you can turn running into this beautiful thing that it is. And that community that you mentioned Mm -hmm. right at the marathon. I mean, that's my favorite thing about running. And I talked about it like a million times but when I watched my husband, Marco, run uh, the New York City Marathon in 2019, mm-hmm. I didn't run the marathon. But every time I talk about it, you think that I did because yeah. it's the greatest experience. I love that. <laughs> but it's because of that camaraderie. It's because of what comes out of racing. So, I mean, so you ran th- three Chicago marathons. At, at, I mean, 
at the end of each one before this 2017 one, at the end of those marathons, what, what were you feeling like then if it wasn't, if it wasn't that pride in your accomplishment, um, were you just kind of really just kind of soaking in what was coming from the outside as opposed to what was fueling you from the inside? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Cause I would say, I would say that I, w- I loved the crowds. I loved the camaraderie. But there was like a bittersweetness to crossing those finish lines because I would cross the finish line and be like, wow, I'm so proud of myself. Wow, I haven't felt like this since last year. Mm-hmm. So it takes a marathon for me to feel proud about like who I am. Yeah, yeah. So that's that, well, that was what was under. So it was a really, and so in 2016, I thought the same thing again. And I was like, that's kind of messed up. Like, to only feel really proud of yourself one time a year, like that's, that's not healthy. That's, that's incredible. I mean, it's so true to live your life and like this one accomplishment, that's the one that makes you feel good about yourself. And, and, oh my gosh, I think that's so relatable. And because it's happened to me so much, I think it happens to everyone. I, if I wasn't getting the best grades or if I wasn't doing the top at this, or there were so many times that I wasn't doing anything. And I'm like, well, that's because I suck. And you know, I've, I have no talents. Um, and so as a mom, I never want Izzy to feel that way. So I tell her how proud I am for, you know, yeah, whatever it is. Um, you know, not, not the way people are like, oh, well, you know, nowadays these kids, they, <laughs> you know, they're so entitled. No, I mean, we have to work for what we, what we get, but I find that running also kind of provides that example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll share with her, oh, today I ran my fastest mile at whatever pace it was, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not gotten sleep, eaten good foods, and worked at it. Right. Right. So even through training and even as you got faster, you weren't celebrating those small wins. It wasn't until, until the, the marathon accomplishment. That's, that's really something. So yeah. what did, so then Chicago was done in 2016. You realized, well, I can't live like this. What did marathon training then look like? What was different? Were you celebrating those little wins? Were you kind of soaking it all in? Yeah, I think it was just, it, yeah, it was more of soaking it all in. You know, each step, it was, you know, a step forward in a positive direction. And it was a celebration of, like, my body, it looks different. It, it might not be built to run 26 miles, but it is. I'm, I'm in the training process of running 26 miles, and that in and of itself is amazing. And I think I just, you know, I gave myself credit for everything that I would like taking stock of like, I'm getting my master's, I'm training for, um, at that point it was, yeah, my fourth marathon. I'm also teaching. Like, I think I just, I took a step back and I was like, what I'm doing is enough. Like, I don't need to be so hard on myself. And actually I'm doing a disservice to myself by being so hard on myself. So and, and that came through, through, um, through therapy, you know, cause we all have like, you know, 
life is hard and it gives us internal scars and we want to work through them. And, um, I did that in therapy and, and that was really, really useful. But I think we all go through that. You know, you, you mentioned we all have these, these internal scars and, we tend to put so much pressure on ourselves and assume that those scars are our own fault mm-hmm. as opposed to accepting that it's part of, it's part of life where we're, we come into this world shiny and new and we just kind of get dinged up along the way. And it's how we, how we um, express those dings, whether we show them with pride even, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Um, and you that's what it was you had mentioned something about when you were training that your body may not be built to run 26.2 miles and it kind of goes back to also one of my favorite points that um i had to learn as well because for a while my pace was slow right Mm -hmm. um or, or what i thought was slow and then it was like oh well you know my fast pace might be somebody's slow pace, but also my slow pace might be somebody's fast pace. So it was kind of that, that shift in mindset until finally, and I hear it from so many people mm-hmm. who say, well, I'm not really a runner. I, you know, I run a 5k here and there. I'm like, listen, do you put sneakers on? Do you go running? <laughs> you are a runner. Stop. Correct. Everybody is built for 26.2 miles as long as they are capable of, you know, yeah. they've got working legs, working lungs, working heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you run for your, for your uncle who couldn't you know a lot of people run for those who can't, who don't have the legs that can carry them the 26.2 miles. And how beautiful is that, that, that we can do that. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So. I, it's, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've, I'm getting a little choked up because I have had other people in my life, um, too, who have um, passed away from like cancer. Um, he was actually, it's a, anyways, his name is Edwin and, uh, he was the best man at my sister's wedding and we all like became really close and he passed away in 2019, like right before oh, the sweet. pandemic. And, um, you know, I think, you know, this year and I don't, it, I'm getting all muddled up, but you it's know, I okay. think of people like that, you know, people, he died at, he was 26. Like no one should die that young. Um, and Carlos shouldn't have died either. And so, yeah, I just, I, it's a good perspective shifter. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, I get into this, I think we're all guilty of it, but you have like a little pity party. You're like, oh my God, my life has been so tough and blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's a good reminder that like, yeah, running for the people who can't is empowering in and of itself. And um, yeah, it's just a reminder that there's like good, there's a good powerful force in this world. As cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it still goes back to the fact that um, being bummed out about stuff that happens in life is not mutually exclusive of being thankful for the good stuff too. Yeah, think, definitely. You know, for me, I, um, I'll sit in it for like a hot minute. But like life's kind of shitty sometimes and you, you kind of just have to be like, I'm going to wallow for a second and accept that it's kind of shitty. And, you know, it's, I don't know if you've read the book um, Tuesdays with Maury. If you haven't, it's a really good one, but he's, you know, 
he's a guy who um it's written by mitch album who's a uh a sports writer and uh maury was one of his professors in college and he's dying of um uh, uh als and you know he's like one of the things in life that i learned is to move past an experience or through it is like you have to accept it like don't mm-hmm. block it away like allow yourself to feel the feelings and then you can get past it so I'm all about taking it like a little bit of time whether it's a day or a couple hours or whatever to be like I'm gonna, I'm gonna just be sad <laughs> I'm gonna cry I'm gonna be sad and uh yeah <laughs> then you can move on that's and but it's something that you have to learn because I think too often we are told to you know put your big girl pants on, let's get moving, that's it. And uh, so I think um, for me, I've had to learn to be okay because I think, you know, I always felt that I was too delicate or too sensitive or too this. And no, it was just the way my brain works. Mm -hmm. And sad things make me sad. Sad things make me really sad. And that's okay. But when I learned to accept the sadness, I got over it so much faster. Yeah. I was like, okay, I am sad about this. I cannot change this right now, but I can change how I face it. And I'm going to move from there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and for me, running has been a big part of, of that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those people who can, in, can run when I'm sad. I know some people are like, I'm sad. I'll just go, I'll go run. I'm like, if I'm sad, I'll just be, I'll be crying. And, and, but you know, it, it is a way to sort of like, okay, like if I, if I can't, if I can't run today, I'm going to walk. Like movement has been a good way of moving past it. So if I can't run today, I'll walk, or maybe I'll do a run walk, or maybe instead of six miles, you know, I know that's on the schedule. I'll do three. Like you, you give yourself grace and do what you can. And I think that's how you build a healthier relationship with yourself and, and your little demons because we all have them. And I think when you befriend them, that's when you live a more peaceful, fuller life. So. Yeah. Because it's part of accepting yourself, right? Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, maybe I can't get out for that six mile I had planned. So I'll do what I can. And that's so important because I think often, especially when we are training for a race and I know, you know, the training is important and um, Mm -hmm. planning is important, but at the same time um, we are, I mean, I haven't spoken to any professional runners. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we are all living these lives and running is supposed to be something that we do like extracurricular almost. Um, yeah. That should bring us joy. But if we're sticking to like such a heavy plan and it's happened to me, it saps the joy out of it. Like, oh, oh yeah. Like I am just getting back to running after COVID actually. Late February we had, uh, we had COVID. Um, so I'm just working on getting back to running. And for the past two weeks, I've been like, you know what? I'm going to run 10 miles this week. And the first week I didn't run 10 miles for the week because um, I want to, I, I can't run just yet. Like all that great. It's getting better. Mm-hmm. That first week I was like, damn, like I couldn't even do like 10 miles. And then I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Like you had COVID <laughs> and you had, <laughs> oh, also you have a child and other things to do. And mm-hmm. um, 
you know, you crocheted a few little bags for your nieces. So, (laughs) Um, so it's really important to give ourselves that grace, um, not only to accept our demons and, and in that type of just general existential way, but going back to running, it is important to allow ourselves grace to not meet certain, certain targets and know that we can try again. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I think um, if you've read Alexi Pappas's new book, I Gravy, it I it's good. Yet. I really, really want to. Yeah, definitely. I won't, I won't spoil it for you, but it's, she talks a lot about mental health and giving yourself grace and in the running and, you know, paying attention, like, you know, your brain is just as much of a, a muscle as, as the legs that you need to, to carry you forward. So um, definitely recommend the book. I, yeah. I just finished it like a week ago. I was like, very, very good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's on my list. I have one that I got for my birthday that I haven't gotten around to because we've been reading actually as a family, um, we've been reading Harry Potter. it's been really really fun so I read it out loud and my and Izzy and my husband will sit on the couch and we'll read every night we we read all of the books now we just finished last week or two weeks ago and we watched all the movies um so that was fun I have one um that I'm going to start reading soon it's called uh depression hates a moving target and it's about a yeah it's about a woman who um battled her depression and kind of dealt with it by running with her dog. So I'm excited to get into that one. Yeah, I love, I'm going to write that down actually. Okay. (laughs) So after the 2017 Chicago marathon, so tell me, I want to know about your just general elation and your pride in yourself. What was like crossing that finish line? What did that feel like? It felt, I mean, it was incredible. I was like, I'm celebrating myself. I'm celebrating the body that I just ran this marathon in. Like, am I heavier? Like, because I think I had physical proof. I was like, okay, so last year I ran this, I was 110 pounds. This year I ran this, I was, I was 128. And I was faster than I was last year. Like, I am a power, like, I'm powerful. My body is powerful. It's not like a slight bird like like it's just not as much as I would love to have like Audrey Hepburn's physique I do not you know um but Audrey Hepburn might not have been able to run four marathons <laughs> right exactly exactly but you know you know it's just the I don't know it was, yeah it was, everyone tries to be what they're not you know and mm-hmm. um and so yeah it was it was a it was a celebration and the other thing was like you know what I think I can do more and I thought about that, not as a negative, not like, oh my God, I should have run mm-hmm. that faster. It was like, oh, I have, like, I should set more goals for myself and make this exciting. And um, so that's what I did. That's what I, you know, I, um, at the time my dad was actually coaching me. I'm sorry. My dog is, um, I'm sorry. What's he Bella, it's, um, my dad was coaching me and, you know, I called him after the race. He's like, Hey, I'm so proud of you, all this stuff. And I was like, dad, I think I can go faster. Um, and he's like, I think you can too. So, um, I was like, would it be crazy to, uh, run another marathon in two months? He's like, yeah, we should just go for it. And I was like, okay. Oh, so wow. in, um, Dallas, um, in yeah, t- 2017 Dallas marathon, which is December. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I want to go sub four. Like, I think I have it in, in me, in me. Um, I had just run a four Oh nine. Um, so I knew I was asking a lot of myself, but I was like, but I, 
I'm pretty sure I can do it. Taking off nine minutes in two months, huh? Yeah. So that was the goal, take, shave off those nine minutes in two months. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was getting into a rhythm. I could feel myself getting faster. I just knew, like, I was like, I think I just needed a little bit more time. Yeah, you just had to um, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And um, yeah, so the training was really good. I, you know, had to shift. I was like, you know, my dad's like, the, the, the farthest you're going to run in this cycle is 14 miles. Like, we don't want to kill your legs. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I was like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. So we focused on speed and I ran a 10K um, at Thanksgiving. He's like, that's what are going to be, like, that's going to be the benchmark and ran a PR in that. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was pretty fast for me. Um, and he's like, yeah, like you're, you're ready to go. And I ran Dallas. It was, a, it was a challenging course. It's definitely got some hills. Um, it was a smaller race. I mean, I was used to only running Chicago, which is like mm -hmm. 45,000. Dallas yeah. was 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom and my cousin came to cheer me on and, uh, I felt really good the entire time. The only time I didn't feel good was mile like 21, which was just straight uphill. And I was like, why okay. would you do this to anyone? Yeah. Um, like that's At not mile fair. 21. That's not nice. <laughs> it was no, literally just like straight up. I was like, oh are my you gosh. for real? Like this has to be a joke. Like what the heck? Um, but yeah, I crossed the finish line in um, 354. So I didn't like just break four. Like I, kind of smashed it yeah <laughs> um yeah so I was like holy, holy cow wow. <laughs> yeah. wow yeah um and that was just extreme pride because again it was I had a strong body and like yeah that is the body that got me um to break four and um like I said I got 411 I got short little legs and I was like but they, move. they move yeah they move, they move. I was, you know and so it, it's that was the race where I was like, maybe someday, Bella, Bella, stop. Um, maybe someday I can qualify for Boston. Um, like that was the first time I was like, that three thirty, three twenty-five. We all know, yeah, what how that works. Um, could be feasible. Like, yeah. will it take hard work? Yes, but it's not impossible. Um, so so yeah. Um. I haven't gotten there yet, but you know, I had another PR in Berlin that next year, um, with a 351 and, um, you know, so that was, yeah, Berlin 2018. And I would say I still had a really good relationship. Yeah. My relationship with running has stayed good, but then I had like a few mental health, um, you know, I was 25 and I think that's kind of when a lot of people realize the imbalances in their life and um, I had been neglecting a few areas of like where I needed healing. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to a pretty dark place um, and yeah, like, yeah, a, a pretty dark place. Um, but grateful for my friends and family to be there um, for being there and um I guess I should always be super candid. Most people know. Um, but I, I tried to take my life in, in March, 2019. Um, just cause you know, I think, I don't know. It just seemed scary. It seemed dark. I looked into the future and I, I didn't see much, um, which is crazy looking back, but I think that's just how, mm, like, 
severe of an impact depression and anxiety can have. They just totally warp um, your, it's like you're wearing gla- like glasses, like super dark glasses, and that's all you see. And dark. you know, all you gotta do is like lift up the glasses to see the real world and there's plenty of light and flowers and all the beautiful things, but- Yeah, but those glasses are so heavy. And they are, and they are. Um, you know, and so, and so that's when I went back into therapy, um, like super intense and um, kind of like, you know, Alexi Pappas, you'll read it in her book, but you know, you, you get a trainer for your brain basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh yeah. You know, did some really good work to, to rewire things. And um, again, running was a really helpful tool in, in kind of, cause I felt like I had to rebuild completely. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, with depression and anxiety, I went again, the other, like I didn't overeat, I underate, like I was just didn't want to eat. I yeah. didn't, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and sometimes it has nothing to do with weight. It's just like, you're just exhausted and eating yes. sounds exhausting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it was very much like, you almost feel like a baby giraffe getting out again and you're like, okay, how do I do the basic things again? And, Um, and so running was a a constant, it was like, okay, if I do nothing else productive today, I'm going to get out and, and run for 10 minutes or walk for 10 minutes. Like, and that is enough. Yeah. Um, and so it, it feels really like rudimentary, but it's, it's everything in, in, in that healing journey. Especially when you just feel heavy, Mm. like you just, it just aches, like existence existing aches yes yes and you don't yeah yeah I um I hear you I'm 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 with you um yeah so of course you know getting out and just going for that walk is is enough that sunshine and and like you said little by little that sunshine will make its way into into those cracks Mm -hmm that you think are, you know, you think those cracks are scars, but they're actually opportunity for healing and, and being better. Yes. A better version than, than you were before you allowed those cracks to show. Yes, um, definitely. So I can totally understand that. So that was for you in, um, in 2018 after, 20- after Berlin? Yeah. It was, so it was, yeah. After, yeah. After Berlin 2018, it was 2019 um, where I kind of, yeah, like I, reach the lowest of lows, let's say, um, and, and begin to rebuild. Yeah. Well, luckily, you know, it wasn't 2020, (laughs) you know, where, and, and I'm sure, I mean, I've felt that having been through those lows really, and like you said, you, you train your brain, you, you get these training tools. I've been able to, and, and it's been hard, you know, the isolation and, and all of this that everybody's going through. I, it's been really, really hard. And the beginning of it was very triggering to when Izzy was uh, going through chemo. Yeah. You have these tools then to be able to get you through that. So did you, so this was in after Berlin and then, so 2019 was a tough year for you. Did you run at all any races in 2019? Yeah. So I actually, uh, signed up in at the beginning of 20 or yeah of 2019 uh, for the Colorado Marathon. My mom had just moved to Colorado, so I was like, oh, I'll just go visit her and anything, um, all those sorts of things. And um, so in March, 
I obviously like I went to I went to like a crisis center and 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 got the help that I needed and I remember when I was going there I was like can I go outside and run and they're like no and I was like are you kidding? <laughs> and I was like, uh, that's, that's going to be a problem. And they're like, yeah. no, your focus here is to like, we're going to like spend a couple intense days. Like, and that was even a good experience to be like running can't be the band aid either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So while I was there, um, at the, at the crisis center, I decided like, okay, I'm going to run this marathon anyways. Um, I'm not going to do it for time. I'm literally just going to do it as a celebration of like still being here of being able to put one foot in front of the other and heck I'll be in Colorado and it's going to be beautiful. So, um, I ran that. Yeah. May of 2019 was the Colorado marathon. Um, and then I moved to Australia, uh, just for like some adventure. I figured why not? I'm young. And I ran a couple, I ran a half, I ran two half marathons there. Um, but yeah, all all while all while healing, all while, you know, I I like needed very literal space, <laughs> yeah. um, which is why I moved to the other side of the world um, to kind of heal and and just give myself a little time to myself. I think I'm one of those people who's super family oriented, and I always felt like I needed to be there to like protect and do things. But um, Australia was good to just kind of like separate and and do my own thing and become my own person. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. When, when we first um, started talking, I said that your journey, your running journey is so different from mine, but I'm sure along the way I would, we'd feel that we would find this connection and there's Mm -hmm. so much of what you're saying that is just has resonated with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And but to back up, I, I think it's incredible that to go from crisis to running a marathon is so, um, I know you'd run, you'd run marathons before, but even still it was, it was metam- like, you know, like a metamorphosis. Yeah. A, like a true, like caterpillar coming out of out of her cocoon and just like just going just being just existing and running 26.2 miles with thankfulness I would imagine total thankfulness like literally I mean I am here and I can still do this and I I can be you know I mean we started up in a canyon and then ran down along the river like it was just life is beautiful and it, and yeah. it was really beautiful like life is beautiful and painful because believe me there was some pain involved <laughs> into that in that marathon but yeah you, you do cross the finish line you do come out the other side and you, you're ultimately better for it um, I mean what an amazing metaphor yeah <laughs> what, like I, I mean I like I'm I'm trying to find the words but the the metaphor is there I mean crisis to marathon marathon is painful but you made it out the other end and you're still here um so that's incredible and thank you so much for being so candid um of course how was running australia and what totally shifting conversation because i'm super intrigued in terms of like the landscape that must have been fun was it through city what what was that like yeah so um I spent most of my time in Melbourne, um, and actually I got to live with some family there. Um, 
we, there are alliances all over the world is what I'm discovering. Um, but so I was about like 40 minutes outside of Melbourne. And so it was like more of like country Victoria, yeah. um, the state that Melbourne's in. And um, yeah, like not, lots of like nice rolling hills, but it was hot. Like, yeah, whoa. I mean, I'm used to Midwestern summers, but damn, that was hot. I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> um, this is a whole nother deal. Um, but yeah, so spent a lot of time there. Um, got into like salsa dancing and, and some bachata there. and to- In Australia? Yeah, yeah. I was like, cool. I need to make friends. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, running was, you know, it was like a me time thing. I was like, I, this is not how I want to make friends in Australia. Like I, that's going to be like a me sort of thing. So yeah, I did salsa dancing. Um, but then I also lived in Byron Bay, which is in um, New South Wales. And um, the Hemsworth brothers live there. If I'm sure if anyone is a fan. <laughs> Hemsworth <guys>. brothers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's why Byron Bay is on the yeah. map. But uh, I actually met a couple of runners there. Um, a girl. Not the Hemsworth brothers. Not the Hemsworth brothers. I was looking for them. <laughs> I hear sometimes they like do pop into gas stations and they're super chill. And I'm just like, Okay. Well, I never saw them. Um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I met a girl from, from Argentina there, Ceci, and we we did some running and, um, you know, running on the beach was awesome. And, you know, it's a very hippie town. So I was all about that life. Like just, you know, feeling yourself, vibing, running, um, worked at a hostel. Like it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and the running community there is really cool. It was cool to see, because I think running there is still very much developing. Because um, mm-hmm. you know, running Chicago, running Berlin, those are really well established races. So to run a couple of races there, I'm like, oh, okay. Like they're still learning the ropes, and like all really well run still, but like on a, so much of a smaller scale. And um, but I think it made the running community really nice there, um, and a lot of yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so I was in Byron Bay when the pandemic Mm. starting to become a thing. Um, and my mom's a doctor, uh, and she kind of gave me a call. Yeah. What was the time like, what was the time like for timeline for that in Australia? So, cause here it's like March. I know the date, but everything, it it was like March 13th was everything was done. Yeah. So I was, I was still there March 13th, but the 14th, my mom called me and she's like, look, this thing's not going away. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just ride this thing out in Bali. Like, I'll just go somewhere else. She's like, no, you are not going to Bali. I was like, mom, it's fine. Um, But then in Australia, in Byron Bay, which is pretty chill, like I started noticing the toilet paper was starting to disappear there. And I was like, okay, okay, this may be, this, this might actually be a thing. Um, And yeah, I told, I, I told the hostel, I was like, I gotta go. Like, yeah. I know I'm under contract, but like, this doesn't look good and I need to do what's best for me. And it, it was weird. I felt like a bit of a coward leaving, you know, cause I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm running at the first sign of like adversity um, in a foreign country. But looking back, like we, none of us could have known what this was going to turn into. Um, so yeah, within like 48 hours, I was on a plane. I landed March 16th and, um, back on like stateside soil. And I remember 
couple of the couple of the gals that I was working with at the hostel um, texted me. They're like, "Hey, you made it out in time. Like, oh, we're wow. not going to be able to get back to the UK until um, at least April because they were shutting down borders and all of that." So I was very lucky. Wow. Um, to get out like just in the nick of time. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah. So again, I was in this position. I was like, okay, I'm now living with my mom in Colorado. Um, still got my running. <laughs> um. And I was like, okay, what now? Like, I need to find a job. I need to figure out where I'm going to live. I need to like kind of rebuild a life. And, uh, and yeah, so that's what 2020 has kind of been. Um, but like you were saying, you know, I was really grateful having gone through that really dark time in my life and in March, 2019, like exactly Mm -hmm. a year before. Cause I was like, I have the tools to deal with this now. Um, and I kind of was like, you know what? I know myself well enough. I'm going to go back to therapy. Like, I need this. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm in therapy now. I have grown leaps and bounds. You know, I, um, I'm a better runner for it. I'm a better person. I'm a better partner. Um, you know, finding, finding love during a pandemic is not something yeah. most people can do. But, you know, I, I'm really grateful that I, I – 2020 was bad in a lot of ways, but it was – it presented a really good opportunity to focus and hone in on, on myself. Um, and I also ran a marathon, a virtual marathon in 2020. Um, it was called the, um, F F 2020. Marathon. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just ran circles around my neighborhood here in, in Chicago and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it was again, just like life, this pandemic isn't going to beat us. Like we're stronger. And, uh, you know, wasn't my fastest marathon at all. It was 438. And I was like, you know what? For surviving a pandemic, like I'm going to take it. And uh, yeah. yeah, so, um, and, you know, just grateful to have running as a, as a partner in life as well. Um, it's, you know, people are like, you're still crazy. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am. And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure we all are. I'm just waiting for you to find out your level of crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And, okay. and seeing so many people turn to running during the pandemic, I'm like, look, we're, we're built to run. Running is a great form of exercise of mental health care and like all of the above. So, yeah, you know, I mean, so. even, uh, even, uh, here in town, um, I said it last year, we would see, because we were running and I would see a lot of people going out for walks. And I'm like, you know what? If there's something positive that comes out of this, let it be that we Americans get outside and yes. walk. Let yes. it be that. If there's one thing that can come out of this that is good, let it be that people are getting outside and just going for walks. Exactly. And appreciating it. Exactly. So. So what was, so the F2020 uh, virtual marathon, did you have like a set loop that you were doing? Did you do it like over and over again? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a two mile loop that I just did oh, times. <laughs> two miles. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause I was like, you know, I could go to the lakefront, but there's like, you know, I have to stop, you know, at the lights and I, I'm going to say I chickened out. Cause I was like, I know there's going to be a headwind at least one day <laughs> and I just don't really want to deal with that in 2020 like I can control a lot of these (laughs) variables so I'm going to um so to me the lesser of two evils was doing 13 circles Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know also it was like okay if I need to go to the bathroom like I have my apartment that's Um, true it was easy uh for you know like my part you know my boyfriend uh was there like 
and a couple other friends where they like they could stay warm while they were waiting for me to you know yeah on the circles and and give me fuel and all of that stuff so it, it worked out and um it's just much easier than having people like waiting along the lakefront freezing their butts off that's true um so yeah but it was it was a really good experience um my boyfriend who is not a runner uh joined me for the last six miles he's like I don't know how you just did that. And I was like, well, <laughs> well now, you know, you now you, now, you know, yeah. <laughs> what running like, and, um, so it was, it was a really good experience. And my uncle was there, my tío Pablo, cause he lives uh, in the Northern suburbs. And anyways, so it was just, it was a good reminder that we can come together and, and be a force for good, a force for positivity. Um, even when we have to be socially distant. Yeah. So yeah and that we can we can we can do hard things we can do hard things we have i just got it a couple of weeks ago over the doorway so as you open the front door to our house um right over like in the hallway like right in front of you it says you can do hard things um and that's just been our mantra here all three of us um and you can you yeah. can, I mean, it, things will seem dark and I just, I hope that anyone who is having a hard time getting those dark glasses off, just hang in there. They're heavy for now, but, but you can finish like life is a marathon and, and mm -hmm. you'll get to the other end of it. Um, so I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, finish up and talk about the runner's report. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that's really fun. So, what made you, what inspired you to put that together? And yeah, what it is, and and what inspired you to put it together? Yeah. So, so the runners report is a is a weekly running newsletter. Um, it's a digest of all of the world running news, or at least the major headlines. Um, and we also like to feature um, like podcasts, um, running products that don't get like the notoriety that Nike and Brooks yeah. and, you know, we want to help like be cool amateur runners that are doing cool things. Um, and, and to speak to that, we also like to feature amateur runners um, and, and tell their running stories in writing. Um, so I know writing is a bit of a, a lost art and people don't like to read these things, but I, I think, you know, we, we do it in a way that's entertaining and um, you know, that way it's, you know, people can always come back to it and read it on our, on our website. But um I thought about it, um, I was on a run in Australia, and, and I was like, you know, why isn't there like a, a reading digest for, for running news and like, like at the Daily Skim or um, the Morning Brew, right, where you yeah. just have little like snippets of like, this is happening, new world record, or um, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, what's coming up, or news in the Olympics, or what, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff, and um so I was like, yeah, I think that would be really fun to do. And, you know, um, so I reached out to um, Connie, who I actually, I, I had never met before um, in person. I just knew her virtually. Um, and my friend Arian, who I went to college with, and because I knew she was really good at graphic design, also a good writer. Um, Connie was like a really good marketing guru. And so I was like, you guys want to do this together? And so that was, I thought of the idea in mid-September and by um, mid-October, the weekend of the Chicago Marathon, like we were putting out our first newsletter and 
it was a lot of really cool news because yeah. um, uh, Bridget Kosky, um had just broken the women's world record in the marathon. Ellie Kipchoge had just broken two. Like it was a really great time to come out with a newsletter. And so yeah. um, lots of fun. We were highlighting amateur runners um, every week and then um, had a little really good momentum. And then obviously the pandemic hit. Um, and so we had to shift a little bit how we, um, I mean, we were still presenting running news, but there obviously wasn't a lot of news. So that's when we kind of went to building the community, the running yeah. community through challenges, through giveaways, um, through virtual happy hours, just to like remind people they're not alone and that, you know, running can be a really good um, outlet for pandemic stress and um, that you don't have to feel quite as isolated if you have happy hours or virtual workout sessions together. And um, yeah, really proud of the community that we've built. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing it grow. It's really cool. And as a former journalist, um, I think it's awesome. I think it's great to be able to like read, to actually read. Um, so I, I, I recommend everybody check it out. Um, it will be, I'll put the, um, your Instagram in the show notes because it's really cool. And I think that you know, similar to this podcast, I like talking to the everyday runner, someone that I can relate to that, you know, is in my ear as I'm running and struggling. And, um, you know, that, that's what I was looking for. Uh, yeah. So when I, when I uh, skim the runner's report, it's fun to see, you know, people just like me. It's really, really fun. Um, really? A question that just kind of came to mind now. So do you feel like, with, you know, with your having struggled to achieve better mental health, do you think that was almost um, in your heart is where the runner's report came from or how like you want to connect people and through the pandemic also just help people not feel alone? Be, like, do you think that somewhere in there, that's where your heart came to this, the runner to put together the runner's report? Yeah, I think you've definitely touched on like a really core part of what the runner's report is. Um, you know, because what helped me, one of the things that helped me get through those dark times was knowing that I wasn't alone, that like I wasn't crazy. Like other people have these thoughts, other people are struggling. And, you know, what I saw in the pandemic was people for the first time, like, they're like, oh my God, my, my heart's racing, I can't sleep, you know they were experiencing anxiety or I'm so sad. I'm having a hard time getting out of bed. And so they were experiencing, experiencing depression. And I felt like I had a responsibility to show people like it's okay. And to kind of give helpful tools by no means am I, you know, a counselor or a psychologist yeah. or any, anything, but you know, a lot of people uh, experience acute, depression and anxiety and maybe even like OCD tendencies mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. Um, and I just wanted to show people like, Hey, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like we're going to get through it together. You're not alone. Um, and community can be a great way to get through difficult times. And so, you know, here's the community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Again, like you said, I am not a clinician. I am, I have no degrees in anything. But if my openness and sharing other people's openness and just um, 
if we can just be a little bit raw and yeah. that can help someone who's unable to get there just yet, then, then it's worth it. It's worth kind of, because I, I feel, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes um, having these conversations or sharing kind of shaves off a little bit of the scab from, from the healing. Um, but it's fine because, you know, it'll scab over again and you might have helped someone along the way. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And, and I also try to remind people that, you know, even as we, you know, gradually move past this pandemic, mm-hmm. like you might have triggers, you might have bad days again. And again, just fall back on that community. Like you're not alone. Cause yeah. I think that's the one thing people think of mental health as like, Oh, it's just like a rough period. It won't be permanent or, you know, I won't have a bad day again, like, or not that bad. And the truth is they do come back and that's yeah. okay. Um, it's part of life. And, um, you know, like you said, that, that the wound can be reopened, but there's always like that healing agent that's, that's there. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. This has been so great. I, I, I'll say it again. I knew that there was something that we would connect on, um, despite having different running journeys, but it's such a wonderful thing how, when we, when we talk to new people, when we reach out to people, you realize that we share similarities. We, we all have things that we've been through and it's wonderful. And going back to what you said, you're not alone. And the more, the more I talk to more people and the more you know, people like you reach out, the more I feel like doing this is, is healing me and helping me too. And making me better. So I mean, this, this has been really, really great. And thank you so much for being so candid and, and sharing with me. Of course. No, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having this podcast. Could not agree more that, you know, this podcast exemplifies that we're all a part of this human experience. Um, and that's really important to, to share with people. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, If you like what you hear, let me know if there's something else you want to hear or if you would like to chat with me, shoot me a message in my inbox or send me an email. I will have all of Genevieve's information in the show notes and a link to sign up for the Runner's Report newsletter for you as well. So as always, thank you and we'll catch you during the next episode.